In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, doesn't matter, just climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Slash Weekly Ding. Happy Tuesday or Monday or Wednesday whenever you're listening to this. We have all the latest coming out of the NBA amid this coronavirus pandemic. I'm Zach Harper. That's Jared Weiss. We've got uh, Rob Lopez pushing all the buttons to make us sound good. Before we get into the show, just want to remind everyone you can still take full advantage of our 90-day free trial at theathletic.com slash daily ding. Get all the best from our team of writers. Also, be sure to use the comment section on the app. Let us know how we're doing, not just on articles, but podcasts as well. Coming up on today's show, we've got Shams Tarania of The Athletic joining to discuss all the latest from across the league as the NBA might be coming out of this limbo as we try to navigate the COVID-19 crisis. So let's start it off. Uh, Jared, let's bring Shams on. Shams, thanks so much for joining us. You and Sam Amick reported last week about the NBA getting things really moving in the right direction with with trying to bring Walt Disney World Resort into the mix as the front runner um, for bringing back the rest of this 2019-2020 season. It sounds like we're going to get a decision in the next, at this point, week to three weeks. So Shams, how likely do you think it is that we we do get this resort in Orlando at Disney World to house a, a return to the season? Yeah, Zach, Jared, if they're going to play NBA basketball this season and finish out the season, it's going to be at, at Disney World. All signs point in that direction. You know, they, they talked to Las Vegas, uh, Houston. Those two were under great consideration, but given the controllability of, of Orlando and Disney World and the fact that they're one of the NBA's large partners, it made sense on a lot of levels. Um, but Listen, there are a lot of logistical things that they're going to need to get figured out, like you said, over the next week to three weeks. And that process is going to probably ramp up even more this week. I think last week was really big for the NBA to finalize its playing site. And Orlando, um, Orlando, as we reported last Wednesday, they really engaged in serious, serious discussions uh, really for the first time throughout this whole process. So all the steps are being taken to play basketball and resume the season. You're having the playing site put in motion the coronavirus testing providers that process has taken another notch you know been taken up another notch as well and now the only thing that really remains is working out the logistics with the owners the players the teams and just continuing to monitor the test uh the 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 testing situation making sure that they're going to have the the testing that that they'll need to all the players and personnel Um, another thing i reported over the weekend was that players have been resistant to the full nasal swab testing uh, from what I'm told. And so the league is trying to figure out, is there a more comfortable testing? Is there a saliva testing? Is there a tip of the nose test that that could be applicable? So um, still some, some, uh, 
some different protocols remain in play, but the framework and, and the, the hope still remains to resume the season. Now, obviously, there you know, all these plans are being made by the league and corporate partners and all that. But you know, like you're saying, you, there's no point of setting this all up if the players aren't willing to be a part of it. It's obviously it's all for the players to play the game. So what what type of role has the have the players and the players association had in the planning process? Has this been a, a kind of fully collaborative process or is it more of a, the league puts together the logistics and concepts and then presents it to the other relevant parties? I, I think it's been a collaborative process. You know, the, the NBA and the PA formed a working group a couple of weeks ago. Um, and first of all, obviously, the NBA president and a bunch of star-type players, Russell um, Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, and Jason Tatum. And I think that was another major committee that was formed that can continue dialogue with Adam Silver and continue to stay in the loop on you know, the progress being made on different game plans, being able to strategize together, you know, aside from the normal owners calls that the league has, the GM calls, the president, team president calls, you know, be able to have a, a constant back and forth dialogue. I think with the working group uh, has been good. And Addison has been pretty transparent. has been pretty open with this, with the players from uh, really uh, jump. And, and you saw, you know, he, he did a player's call, earlier in May and he was very, very candid on that call. So I think overall it's, it's, it's there's been a, a good line of communication. How certain are we? I mean, I know that this is maybe an unfair question, but how certain are we that all 30 teams come back? Because I think the big, the big thing here is look, this, and I don't mean this so, so much in a negative way, but this looks like a money grab, right? Like they don't want to lose the money of the playoffs. And if they can get everybody to that 70 game threshold for their local TV contracts, then that full money kicks in. Um, but you know, most teams are like somewhere five to seven games short of this, of this 70 game mark with their local TV providers. So how likely is it that we get all 30 teams back if it resumes? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a possibility, but you know, in speaking to some of the teams and, and, you know, really players on some of the worst teams in the league, right? You have teams like the Knicks and the Bulls, the Hawks, like these guys aren't itching to go play, you know, their seasons have been pretty much over, but if it's for the good of the league, for the good of the game, obviously they're going to go out and play. But, you know, having the traditional 30 teams all coming back and playing, that is one of several considerations. You have, you know, just 16 teams is going straight to the playoffs. You have, you know, a playoff plus option that I reported that was in the GM survey over the weekend. Um, you know, and that would be anywhere from 18 to 24 teams. Or you have, you know, the 30 teams and then you have a play-in tournament. So there's several different scenarios. You know, knowing Adam Silver, the priority that he's put on health and, and just the sense that you get around the league, I, I just, it, it'd be tough to see all 30 teams come back because, again, like I said, there's a, probably a handful of them that have no business uh, playing, um, just have no business being out there in terms of really competing for anything. So given where we are with the pandemic and the state of the league, just bring back the teams that really have a shot, something to play for. And uh, and really, you you have an opportunity now. Adam Silver does to spice things up. Maybe have a play-in tournament uh, with the playoff plus option. 
I mean, they should at least have a game against all the Disney mascots at the very least, just to spice things up. But yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, got to do it. And well, they might need the mascots because one of the questions that hasn't really been addressed at this point, uh, just in the overall reporting and conversation on this, is what do you do about certain players within the teams that are in the playoffs or could be in the playoff plus format? Which is amazing branding, by the way. I love that title. But how does how do teams address for the fact that there are going to be possibly some players that decide that they don't want to be there for health reasons or family reasons and things of that matter. Is that Shams, is that anything that you've heard come up at this point? Not yet, but you know, one of the other considerations that the league did put in, in the GM survey and something that they're going to continue to toss around is expanding the rosters and seeing if you can do roster expansion between one to three additional spots, you know, allow players to, to bring in guys, you know, free agents that, you know, could be on the playoff roster. So if there was a situation where someone tested positive and couldn't play, or like you mentioned, a scenario where someone decided not to play because of health concerns to be able to expand the roster and have uh, players. And then even potentially two way players being eligible, being eligible for the playoffs. So I think all of these factors are things that could mitigate a situation such as that. It's funny you mentioned the two-way players part because I've heard so much movement even before this was happening uh, among teams that a lot of them want to see two-way players lose that restriction of not being able to play in the playoffs anyway in the upcoming couple of years. So they might as well just do it now in this point in an emergency situation. But we also have the latest development over in Europe where on Monday the EuroLeague announced that it was not going to go for a playoff format. It was just going to end the season. And now there's a lot of players over in the EuroLeague that I think would bite at the opportunity to join an expanded roster. So do you think there could be potentially an influx of players coming over from overseas to join the NBA before the playoffs start? I mean, you know, potentially, but again, like this is something that if, if, if NBA teams are given the opportunity to expand the roster, they will definitely look outside and into the free agent market, whether that's the guys, you know, Lance Stevenson, Zaman Shumpert's, of the world that have been free agents are your Jamal Crawford, or, you know, like you said, the guys overseas, you know, Andrew Bogut just, just released something over this weekend that he's going to take a break and, and, you know, really take some time himself before he decides on the next spot. Well, listen, what if a playoff team comes calling and says, we, we know we want you to play for another, you know, for two weeks or whatever the case may be. So I definitely think it, it's something that, that could be in play. Everybody, smelling good is important, especially in quarantine, especially if you have a significant other that you're quarantining with. You've got to smell good, and Hawthorne smells really good. Getting Hawthorne cologne is beyond easy. I, let me tell you this. Put it on for my girlfriend. She could not stay away from me. Not in the sense of something creepy happening, but she was just like, you finally smell good. This is incredible, and I just told her it's a natural scent. I didn't even tell her that I was cheating using Hawthorne, but I was. You can get it for yourself. You can get it for Father's Day. You get a perfect gift for your dad. You can take a quiz for someone else. You can find out ways to get the Hawthorne product. Not only can you get cologne, guys, this is the cheat code. One, they have a face cleanser. You want to make sure your face is clean, right? You want to make sure your face is free of all those nasty oils that bring out breakouts and all that stuff. The face cleanser is incredible. And then we're all washing our hands like crazy, right? You're washing your hands when you go outside and come back in. You're washing your hands throughout the day, probably 15, 20, 30, 50 times a day. You're washing your hands in today's environment. So get that hand cream. Relieve all those cracks. Relieve the dry skin. Get the Hawthorne hand cream so you get the cologne. You smell good. The face cleanser, you're clean. And the hand cream so your hands don't hurt anymore. It's the best way to treat yourself. By the way, you can get it all by going to Hawthorne.co. 
That's Hawthorne with an E at the end and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. Smell good, be clean, keep your hands proper. With the with the site at Disney World, you know, there've been some kind of I guess uh disagreements on how strict this bubble might be. Um what do you what's your sense of how likely it is to be? I, I know Michelle Roberts and the Players Association has kind of um, you know, not loved the idea of um, for lack of a better term, incarcerating these players inside this resort, right? And, and making sure they can't go in and out. It sounds like maybe they will be able to, but if that's the case, is it really that safe of an option if players can can exit and, and return to the bubble, um, even with testing, even with uh, with quarantine? The NBA hopes so. I mean, you know, you, you can't keep a player from staying, like you said, in that quote-unquote bubble environment. And that's why Adam Silver has shifted even the way he's phrased it, you know, calling it more of a campus environment and you know a place where players could go in and out uh of of the environment but then upon coming back in being able to retest them and i think that's something that is vital and that's why the nba wants to make sure that they have the the readily amount uh of, of tests at their disposal um so that if a player does choose to leave the disney world or orlando bubble that upon re-entry he's able to be tested and they're able to find out that you know whether he's positive or negative, and then make decisions as they see fit. As, as they see fit. Sorry, but um, you know if a player does choose to come, leave the bubble and then come back and test positive, that ultimately will be on him. And I think that's what the league, um, you know, I, I think they want everyone to be cognizant of that. Of course. See, it's funny. I I think there's a there's a cognitive disconnect, not on your part, but on the league's part, and that that attempt of a promise, and that we all know that we have uh, that there's this incubation period and a in a quarantine and isolation period upon potential exposure, and so it just doesn't make sense for players to be able to go off campus and then come back and then just operate based on what type of uh, po- whether they get a positive or negative test upon their rearrival. Because, uh, and I mean, obviously, there's going to have to be some compromise on safety here and there and every every player says we want to do things safely but everybody ha- there's a range of scale as to what defines safe and i think that at the end of the day teams are just gonna teams of players are gonna have to accept that there's gonna be a compromise on safety to get this done but there's gonna be movement at some point this week and we have another gm call coming on thursday and a board of governors meeting coming on friday what what type of clarity do you expect to come out of this do you expect any concrete updates to be uh, coming out? I, I do expect more concrete as far as scenarios. You know, I, I do think that it'll be a good opportunity to get more firm dates, more firm um, timelines as far as when a potential restart of the season could be. Um, you know, I, I've had even some more discussions over the last few days, and a lot, a lot, a lot more executives believe the, believe that the start time will be closer to. Um, you know, the final week of July or August 1st, then it will be even mid-July. And so that's why dates throughout this whole process have been a moving target. And it's it's been a wide range of different dates at different points. But I think this will be, um, you know, I, I think the league hopes that this will be a week of progress in terms of trying to see which dates and scenarios the owners and the players and, and teams want to go forward with. Yeah, Shams, I, I think that I'm with you. Like, the, it seems like the dates have been very in flux, but the it's more of about timeframes, right? More about timeframes, but the, the date that seems to keep sticking 
is next season starting on Christmas Day. Um, so if if that's the case, is this is this likely a scenario in which the NBA uses that to move their calendar back, like had been proposed in the past, or do you think there's? I mean, I guess it depends on how this season goes. Or do you think there's a chance that they would maybe shorten that next season and get everything back on track for the what would be, I guess, the 2021-2022 season? Yeah, I, I I do think that they want to start next season on Christmas Day uh, from from the league office to the owners, um, and that's something I reported a few weeks ago. But I, I I don't I don't know how that'll impact the schedule. You know, could you go you know to July or August and then have free agency at that point, and then hopefully the the following year restart the schedule? Sure, I do think they want to play 82 games next season. I've heard that consistently, and so it would be tough to just because you're starting on Christmas Day like they did that lockout year a few you know several years ago. That doesn't mean that you're going to shorten the season to whatever it is, 55, 60 plus games. I do think there still is interest. In, in having the full 82 game schedule. So um, it, it might take a few years, but the NBA, I think still doesn't want to get back into, you know, the July free agency and the same routine they have over the last few years. Well, we know they're definitely not going to be starting in mid-October, that's for sure. So assuming that they want to stick to this Christmas time frame, and I mean, you said in the GM survey that uh, one of the options for a you know a mandatory end-of-season date would ha- could be as far as the end of October. So if it really does stretch that far, do you anticipate that they would still keep a you know a several-month off-season to allow for all the time for draft and free agency and a certain obviously a certain amount of rest and recovery and vacation, and you know, and that would probably mean pushing into the start of 2021 or do you think they would want to try to get as close to that christmas day as they can and abridge the off season as much as need be my sense is the goal will still be christmas day but listen if you're finishing up in, on november 1st um you're, you're looking at a really really quick turnaround to be able to start on christmas day that might not be feasible and so um you know it, it's 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 going to be tough you know and another th- you know sense that i've i've, I've heard around the league is that you know in a lot of ways this three four month hiatus that the players are going to have might be viewed as as like a as a part of the off season you know a lot of guys have several months in their off seasons for you know since since forever until this all took place but um you know they've had they this could be a part of that off season so to be able to then sell to the players that listen you know you you've had some time off to ramp up and, and you played a little bit and then now you're going to get whatever it is, two months off and to be able to come back right back out. Listen, if they finish November 1st, it would be tough to do a December 25th turnaround. I would assume at that point they're pushing it to January of 2021. Um, so again, like with all, all a lot of this stuff, it, it's, it's very, very fluid. It's very, very much in flux. Check them out on The Athletic, obviously. Subscribe. Uh, you know, it'll keep me employed. Jared and Shams are safe, but it'll keep me employed. So subscribe to The Athletic. Catch out all of Shams' <laughs> great reporting. And, of course, you can catch them on Stadium. Shams, thanks so much for the time today. Guys, I really appreciate it. Thanks and be safe. All right, one more bit of news from the NBA world. Sad news. Jerry Sloan passed away at the age of 78. On Friday, he was an all-star for the Chicago Bulls, obviously a legendary coach, 23 seasons coaching the Utah Jazz, got them to a couple of NBA finals, fourth most coaching wins in NBA history. Um, Tony Jones has a fantastic piece on on the life and passing of of Coach Sloan, and so I, I highly recommend checking that out on The Athletic. Um, but Jared, you know, in terms of what this means, like this is a coaching titan of NBA history. You know, I know they never won a championship, but this is a this is a – a titan of coaching, a, a pillar of coaching when it comes to basketball. Um, needless to say, like this is a this is a big passing. 
Also, the most important player in Chicago Bulls history. Let's let's also establish that early right. on. Yeah, no, they de- set the tone, right? <laughs> set every, set the the building blocks so Michael Jordan can come in there and smooth things over. You know, it's it's actually funny because I've been uh, going back and watching a lot of '70s basketball just for some of the work I've been doing in my Celtics coverage, and I've gotten a chance to watch a lot of Jerry Sloan playing back in, in his playing days, and he was just the ultimate tough nosed guy. I mean, he was so physical, so scrappy be all of the classic white man uh you know monikers that they throw out there it all originated with jerry sloan and he was just he was just so much fun to watch and then of course you know such an iconic coach uh we have to thank him a lot for the modern game the way the game is played because he really perfected the pick and roll at a level that had never yeah. been seen before with stockton and malone and i know the way they ran it is different the way it is ran now but it really you know that has a huge influence on the way modern offense is run now so sloan is definitely one of the most important important coaches in NBA history it's funny it, like it was looked at as kind of gimmicky right yeah like pick and roll was kind of looked up as, as as gimmicky and I even think like Steve Kerr still hates it to this day as any Warriors fan <laughs> will lament uh, on Twitter um but uh but yeah it's it's you know I I got to spend a little time in, in Salt Lake City and never covering coach Sloan he he was he was long retired and, and in the Hall of Fame at that point but um but I did get to see him around the arena and and look, I you know he was he was diagnosed with uh, with Parkinson's and, and with um, with dementia uh, back in April of 2016. I you know it it was kind of um, for lack of a better word eerie to see him walk the halls because he was there, but he but he wasn't always there at the same time. You could see it would take him you know a, an extra beat to recognize certain faces and everything. But seeing the way that people lit up around him, like and not just people, like I mean Greg Popovich would would break off any conversation he had when when coach sloan walked by and go say hello like you know stan van gundy um back when he was coaching the pistons uh stopped to you know stopped a scrum went and said hi to coach coach sloan and then came back and was just like gushing over the idea of being able to talk to him and like letting people know what a legend he is like this is a guy that had beyond the respect of his peers and, and obviously the people in salt lake city and it's it's always great to see one of those people that is you know an institution within a city, especially you know a city like Salt Lake City, where you know it, it doesn't have uh, you know it doesn't have like a completely checker uh, not checkered uh, you know very like vibrant history the way that, like the Lakers organization does, where there's tons right. of characters. It's like Jerry Sloan really is the identity of the Utah Jazz organization, and you don't end up spending that much time in a place unless you are that kind of charismatic and awe-inspiring figure. And you know I think that's a common thread between him and other coaches that have spent you know 20 plus seasons in other places which is so rare i mean the the thought of that i mean we know we have greg popovich still in the league for now at least but like you know the idea of somebody spending 23 seasons coaching one team and he has tw- uh, 1,221 wins the fourth most wins in NBA history i mean to have that kind of longevity especially in one place is really special uh this is a stat that i found fascinating during his time in utah those 23 seasons there were 245 coaching changes around the league and of course charlotte memphis toronto orlando and minnesota did not even exist as basketball teams uh in the nba uh when he took the helm of the jazz uh some would say charlotte and minnesota do not exist now yeah. as basketball teams uh in, in the wake of of his uh his coaching career but uh 245 coaching changes it's like you you mentioned like you know just staying with that organization for such a long time, a coach can win coach of the year now. And we don't even know that they have job security. That's how, that's how crazy the coaching profession has become in the NBA. And he just 
bucked all those trends and he went out on his own terms. Oh, usually if you win coach of the year, that means you have no job security and you're going to get fired within yeah, two you're years. Screwed. <laughs> right. you're screwed. But, yeah. uh, but obviously a, a, a huge loss for the basketball community, huge loss for Utah jazz, Salt Lake city communities and uh, check out Tony Jones um, and his fantastic piece on the athletic. And by the way, Zach, do you know, do you know why Jerry Sloan coached for so long in Utah? Why is that? It's because he never won coach of the year. He just wanted to, he just, you know, he had that job security of not winning coach of the year. <laughs> that's what made him great. That, Yeah, that's what made him great. He knew better than to win coach of the year. He, and he, and you know what? He almost, he almost took down those Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Sort of. And give, yeah. give that Tony Jones story a read because he quotes the great coach Bob Weiss in there, who is the only other Weiss that I've ever heard of in NBA history. So sure. Got to, got to <laughs> say, got to send some love to the cousin out there who, of course, if I'm not related power to. Ranking Weiss's, it's Jared one, Bob Weiss second when it comes to basketball prominence. I mean, you so know how full sure of myself I am, but I think I'm going to have to tip the cap to Bob on this one. I think you might have me beat there. Agree to disagree. You can leave a comment, uh, you know, on the on my next power rankings, which is just vices <laughs> of the NBA, uh, which you can check out. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks to Shams Charania uh, for joining us and dropping that reporter knowledge. Uh, of course, you can check out other basketball shows across the, the Athletic Podcast Network. We've got back to back. We've got no dunks, hoops adjacent, tampering, houses Strauss. We've got um, team specific shows. Jared, are there any team specific shows that you really like? Uh, anything is potable. The Celtics pod, which is hosted by Jake Ng and Sam Packard. And we also have the Grant and taco show on there as well, which is hosted by myself. So go check that out too. And co- it's, it's by the way, congrats team, to the, taco. of course, and congrats to the no dunks crew on their Webby award. That's pretty huge. Yes. Much deserved. No Webby or a Webby award for the no dunks crew. A uh, fantastic job. Go ahead and follow no dunks on the old app. You get notifications for the new episodes and then comment on the no dunks podcast in the new comment section and you can uh, congratulate them on their webby awards so do that and if you're not a member of the athletic again theathletic.com slash daily ding you get 90 days free and then uh and then you know you've got a great subscription after that that you uh that you pay for and it's well worth the money because you get all jared's reporting all his celtics coverage That's god forbid for right god forbid and of course uh, if you want to get angry this week I've got the number one picks of all time ranked, all 70 of them. Number two picks are coming out this week. Number three picks are coming out this week. So get angry, everybody, and subscribe to The Athletic so you can yell at me, and we'll eventually do a podcast with those comments. Thanks for waking up with us or going to bed with us or whatever time of the day you're you're listening to this. Uh, thank you for subscribing and listening to The Daily Ding. And Jared, hit us with a sign-off. Oh, wow, this is pressure. I don't think I've ever done this one before. Uh... <laughs>